Welcome back to part two of the All About College Recruiting with Mark Metzka. Much more good information on the way, so enjoy this next episode of Training Well Done. But, you know, changing gears a little bit, how can the student-athletes who are listening to this or their coaches and parents, how can they get started with the recruiting process? You know, they're right. a sophomore, they're a junior, they want to go play their sport in college at whatever level. How can they get started? Yeah. Well, the one thing that, that I will say, and I, and I had this conversation, uh, well, I have it often, but one of the people I had this conversation with is my son. The only people who are going to get recruiting interest early are those top tier kids, like the high major kids. You know, we're seeing these basketball kids, like the University of Pittsburgh men's basketball has already offered a basketball scholarship to two ninth grade players. They have not played a game in high school yet. And they have two out there. That is not happening from division two schools. That is not happening from NAIA schools, right? It's not happening. So if you are a kid who is not a top 50 kid in the country at your, at your sport, it's going to happen late. So you got to understand that it's going to take a process and it's going to take um, your, your full development as a student athlete. The other thing is, and, and this is hard sometimes because the only sport now, well, two sports, I guess, that where your high school season really plays a big role in your recruiting is football and track, right? Everything else is club right? Club basketball, known as AAU, club baseball, club soccer, uh, club field hockey, club lacrosse, because coaches can go to these club events and see multiple players compete, and they can do the brunt of their recruiting in one trip. If they go to a high school game, they're watching one person, and they don't have the resources and the budgets to go and see every single kid play at their high school. So football is the only time where the high school season, a high school coach really matters. So to answer your question, these kids, they have to get involved with this club stuff. And I know it's tough because it's not free and they have to develop the relationship because the college coaches now are reaching out to the club coaches over the high school coaches in a lot of instances. My son's son's high school, basketball coach was a college basketball coach for 20 years and he would recruit AAU tournaments right and he was a little bit different because he wanted to talk to the high school coach to see the intangibles what kind of teammate what's his work ethic is he the first one there is he the last one to leave you know how was he in school do the teachers like him but from a talent evaluation standpoint they're reaching out to the club coaches because they know that's what the club coaches do. There are a lot of high school coaches that don't want to be bothered with handling the recruiting process for their student athletes. So it's more on the club side, unless we're talking about football and track, right? And track and field is great because they don't have to watch you, right? They just need to know your times or how far do you throw it or how high do you jump or how far do you jump? But anything where it's a visible recruiting process where film is involved or watching you play in person, it's going to be on the club side other than football. That was enlightening. I don't think we talked about that last time. And that just makes so much sense right now. And I, you know, I used to get, I mean, I not used to, I get frustrated about, you know, wow, everybody's just club, 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 club. But I thought about it some more because I had to think about on the track end because there's track clubs, you know, 
And I coach club track and, you know, the kids by and large are much better on the club side than they are on the high school or middle school side. You get kids who, I don't want to be uh, discriminative, but like for, for what it's worth, kids who are serious in club track outclass by large margins kids who just start running high school track and just right. hop into it. Not all the time. I mean, you get some really talented kids that just never even knew about it. But right. by and large, you get a lot of kids who are like, uh, okay. And that's at such a bigger level, AAU, basketball, volleyball. We have a kid, she, um, the kid you met when you came here who plays field hockey, who wants to, I think she goes to the Navy. Yeah. Uh, she made this really major all-star like field hockey team in Maryland, which I'm guessing, you know, exposed her to so much more. But like on her high school team, like she's like that chick. And, you know, on these other teams, like she's fighting for, I, I don't, I don't know. She's, she's average above average ish, but she's on people. Well, she's on par with all the people around her with her high school team. She's outclassing them by light years. Yep. And it makes sense logistically, but if you can go to an AAU tournament and just watch all these kids from, if you're going to spend that kind of money, you're you serious about your sport. Yeah. There's the whole, well, oh, people who only have money go do this. But people who only have money don't also just go spending it frivolously on stuff like that because they have to still drive them there and spend time. You have to be yep. good for people to spend that kind of money. Yep. And then, well, if you're playing and you're in this environment, well, you must be worth looking at versus, yeah, I, I, if you just go watch a random high school match, there might only be one really good person on the whole field, uh, depending on the, the actual schools. That just makes so much sense. And that was just a very enlightening moment for me just now to think about that, where I guess football-wise, there are no club football teams. You don't right. do club football. No. You might have a seven-on-seven, seven, but, you know, yep. playing seven-on-seven seven is still kind of very different from playing, you know, with helmet and pads. And then track, you can go to invitationals. Well, and, and if you look at, too, back to what you your, the point that you made about the clubs, it's not just higher level kids. It's it's can they evaluate you against the talent? If you are let's use basketball. If you're at a small school and you're playing against bad players, it's hard to tell from an evaluation standpoint of a coach. Are you really that good or are you just playing against bad players? So when you when you go to AAU tournaments and everybody there is trying to play at the next level it really helps give a legitimate evaluation of the player because you know he's playing against dudes that can play mm, that makes a lot of sense so through that process when you know you mentioned that recruiting starts later if you're not like top 50 in the nation so right. for pretty much everybody else who's a mere mortal and not some you know man child or like grown woman at 14 how do you get started? Maybe you're a junior or senior at this point, you know, getting started. Like, how does that begin with making contact with coaches or the coaches making contact with you? But let's start with making contact with coaches, because by and large, most student athletes are probably going to initiate the conversation. Right. Yep. And and I, and I will say this. When you when you get into the clubs and you and you start to play, you know, 15, you 16, you 17, you you're you're probably you're going to be getting evaluated at that 15, 16 U. So you may be getting a little bit more interest than what you actually know 
because they're not going to communicate with you, right? They're focusing on that next class, on that on that senior class a lot of times. Now, there's there's some sports that really recruit on a different timeline and they're way further ahead, like maybe soccer and field hockey. But for the most part, it's going to come when you are a rising senior, right? You're playing in that club sport either in the spring of your junior year or the summer before your senior year. But that doesn't mean that it's wasteful to play when you're younger because you, you want to prepare yourself to be successful when you get to that top level, right? So when all those coaches are standing around that one field watching the 17 U's play, you don't want that to be your first opportunity for that. So you want you want have, have geared up for that mm-hmm. in your younger 15 U, 16 U, so that when it is your time to play in front of those eyes, you're ready for that challenge. So that, I want to make that point because that's really important. You're like, man, nobody's watching us play. There's more to it than that, right? So, but to 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 develop a relationship with your club coaches is important because if you can have a coach make the initial contact with these college coaches, that absolutely helps you. They they get they get thousands of emails from students and students that have subscribed to these recruiting services that they don't know what that university is. They just know their X division, right? So they're just sending blanket things out to all D2s in the country because I'm a D2 level kid and I'm looking at a D2. I don't know what Davenport University is, but I know the division too. So I'm going to send this to, those are going to get lost in the sauce. Like there's, they get thousands of those. So if you can identify some and be more specific rather than just sending out these things that look like blanket emails, you're going to be a lot more effective. So let's be realistic and say, you know, I want to be within two, three, four, whatever X hours from home. I'm looking for this size of campus. I'm looking for this type of surrounding community, a little bit more rural, a little bit more urban, whatever. So let's narrow down our school characteristics and then have my club coach make a contact with the coaching staff, the recruiting coordinator, typically they'll be identified. Um, and then also fill out the, the student athlete questionnaire on the webpage that, that always kind of goes hand in hand, but then following it up with an email from the coach saying, Hey, here's this student athlete. We know what your school is. And a lot of times it helps me when I'm reaching out to our coaches, if students have already visited Slippery Rock from an admissions perspective, maybe they haven't started the the conversations yet with coaches, but I can tell our coaches, Hey, this student visited. They're not just throwing darts, right? Mm -hmm. Slippery Rock is on their radar. They know what we are. They like the campus enough to follow up with me after their visit. So if you decide they're good enough, this is a realistic option for them. Coaches just don't want to be spinning their wheels. Again, they just don't have the resources, right? Yeah. They don't have the resources to spend the time. There's not enough of them, especially at this level. So the more that you can that you can pare it down a little bit and don't seem like you're so broad in I'll take whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Don't do that. Be the more specific that you can be and that the person reaching out on your behalf can be, that's always great. And have your film ready. Right. People are going to ask for the majority of sports. Right. They're going to ask, do they have their film or what is their profile? Do they have their profile? So you have to be able to give them enough information for them to take a look and then tap into some type of a network. And that's that's really important is is that's the other thing with the clubs. The more people that can speak for you. Hey, I saw that student. You know, I I don't know much about about women's softball, but I know softball players that play other sports and I know how they are. Right. 
this is a good kid, good teammate, good student, good family. Those are all the things that coaches want to see in addition to are you good enough? There's a lot of kids that are good enough, right? But they're looking for the ones that have those other factors too, like are you going to be a good teammate? Um, are you going to be a good student, somebody we don't have to worry about? And, and are you going to be a good citizen, uh, you know, on campus? Yeah. Now, when it comes to students who are in like track and cross country, you know, they don't have clubs that are necessarily, I mean, depending on where you live at, you might have a big club, but oftentimes it's their high school, like you mentioned, high school coaches, or, you know, they have the collection of times, you know, I know the consistency of that matters. That, that differs a little bit for them reaching out. So if you have somebody who's like this talented, you know, junior who has been putting down great times, what does that process look like for them? Because it's, you know, it seems like a little different than how it would be for like a club. Yep. And remember, student athletes and somebody can reach out to college coaches whenever. They're not limited on that. They can reach out to, they can initiate the contact at any time. Right? So even as like freshman, sophomore, they can reach out. Absolutely. The, the coaches are limited as to when they can actively recruit. And usually it's going into the senior year. Like sometime after the junior year is when they can really start to exchange text messages and calls and stuff like that. Um, but the student athletes can initiate the contact at any time. You can take unofficial visits at any time. OK, you can visit a campus if you could tell a coach, hey, I want to come and take an unofficial. You could take an unofficial visit as long as that sport is not paying for your trip. Right. They're, oh. not giving, they're not reimbursing you. They're not flying you there. They're not buying your lunch. They're not doing anything like that. You could take unofficial visits anytime you want. So that's the only thing that makes it a visit officials that they pay for. It. Pay for it. Yep. They get you there. You spend the night. They buy everything. Um, that's 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 the difference. Now, you're limited on those. But unofficials, as many as you want, whenever you want. Huh. I didn't know that. So, and that is another thing that that isn't done enough, and not necessarily just from the sports standpoint, but from from learning about what type of campus am I looking for. And that's you know the majority of what I do is just recruiting students. And and I tell students, you the only way to know this answer is to get on a bunch of different college campuses. You have to visit a big public, a medium public, a smaller public, the privates, the urbans, the rurals, the, the campuses like Slippery Rock that are very isolated in a small town or campuses that are small in a big town. So you have to figure out that location and setting all the while looking at the athletic piece of it too. But you can, you can really help yourself in this recruiting process by getting started early with unofficial visits not just to help you on this team or that team, but this type of campus over this other type of campus. Okay. So that makes a lot of sense. Now going into like being eligible, it's a very big thing. Yeah. I know you talked about the core 40 core, whatever. I don't know how, what it's called. Yeah, Can you 48 talk about H. 48 yeah. H. I knew it was something yeah. like that. Yeah. What does it take to be eligible to play college sports? Okay, well, here's something that's very important because for, for fall 21 and fall 22 kids, division one and division two, which is the only thing that an NCAA has to go through the eligibility center, they have waived the test score requirement. Usually there is a sliding scale for division one and division two eligibility that the higher the GPA, the lower the test score can be and vice versa, right? The sliding scale. But because of COVID and the lack of ability to take tests, 
multiple tests. There is no test score, ACT or SAT, required for eligibility for fall 21, the kids who are already here, and fall 22. So they're going to have to make a decision fairly quickly for fall 23 kids, right, for your juniors. But for the seniors right now, there's no test score requirement. So what you need, okay, what you need is 16 core classes, okay, in, in a designated amount of areas. And then there's also what they call the 10-7 rule, meaning you have to have 10 of your 16 core completed before your seventh semester of high school, essentially your senior year. So you got to have 10 core, 10 of your 16 core after grade 11, you can't add more than six core in your senior year to backload it, right? And then the areas in which you have to pull are, are this. Hold on one second because I have it here. I want to make sure that I'm reading you the right stuff. So for those 16 core classes, three English, two math. Now, don't jump the gun because everybody does. Three English, two math, two years of natural and physical science, two social science, three additional English math or science so you can you can pick how you whether you want to change them from three to four in english or if you had a bad english grade you don't have to use it that's really what they're saying there and then four additional english math science social science foreign language comparative religion or philosophy like your philosophy your psych classes and things like that we just call those electives right so four either additional from english math science or elective so you can use your foreign language you can use your psych you can use your your business as long as it appears on the school's 48h which is the list of approved courses so that's the way that the 16 core broken down so right now there is no 107 for division two only division one um they need a 2.3 for division one and a 2.2 for division two in their 16 core and they're eligible for tw for fall 21 and fall 22. Now we'll we will see if division three is going to bring. I'm sorry, if 2023 is going to bring the sliding scale back into play. Mm -hmm. Okay. And there is no certification for division three. If they are admissible to the university, they are eligible to play. Okay. Huh. For those listening, you should talk to a guidance counselor or reach out to Mark, because yes, I'm still like okay, I get it, but you know. We get it. Yeah. Um, the hardest thing, like we talked about before, is knowing when a ninth grader is going to be a scholarship athlete and making sure that the freshman level classes are the ones that are going to count right on the 48H or the list of approved courses, because that is the most common story we see when somebody is core deficient, that meaning they graduated, right? They have the credits, but they didn't, they didn't take enough core classes to be eligible. Most of the time, it comes back to a class they took in ninth grade before anybody knew they were going to be a scholarship kid. So for those of you listening, if you are a freshman or you are the coach of a freshman or the parent of a freshman or like a middle school athlete, and you know this kid is talented, and I don't mean the, oh, like, oh, this is my kid's talented because it's your kid. But like your kid is, you know, 13 or 14 years old, competitively beating good 18 year olds type of good they can go to states or they're very close to qualifying for states at 14. make sure for a fact 
that their grades are tight because you know that's the type of athlete that's likely going to get a scholarship you know that they're that good when they're that young people hit growth spurts they 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 catch on to things late yes it happens but often really talented kids, it doesn't take long to figure out if they're that talented. They're getting money talented, not playing college talented. Because there's, like we talked about at the beginning, there is being good in high school, then there's being good enough to play in college. But then there's a whole nother level of being good enough to get money if you can, given what he just said about how hard it is to even get money, how limited the opportunities are. So make sure you get the classes right. It, it is very difficult. And, 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 I, and I make sure that I, that I, when I talk to um, athletes, our recruited athletes at our visits, that's the first thing I open with, you know, when I'm talking to the football guys on football recruiting Saturdays, which happens after the season, by the way. So that, that, that timeline is very late, right? That's after the high school season of the senior year when those guys are there. I tell them, you're, you're one, it's 6% in football. I said, you are in the top 6% of high school football players nationally just by having the opportunity to play after high school. Top 6%. So, it is not easy, um, and I want them to reflect and be thankful for the opportunity that they have and, and to be thankful for the sacrifices that people made for them to get to that point, because certainly there have been some, uh, and that is just the right thing to do, right? To be humbled by that opportunity and to be thankful for what people have done to get them there. Oh, yeah, for sure. I always, uh, talking to you and thinking about this, my nephew plays football for Alderdice, and he has you know battled he had he went to a really bad school ninth and tenth grade year and he's like not I'm, I'm going to say this on air I've picked on him a couple of times on the podcast he's not blessed naturally like he's not much bigger than me and he's not very fast but he has a very very good football IQ and he's growing like he when he was ninth grade he was very small but now he's growing and he's much more of an average size and he has more room to grow. Now he's like, and the issue was at the beginning, he didn't get to play a lot. And it wasn't because he wasn't a good player, but he was he was really kind of undersized for high school football. And he didn't make up for it with like speed. He was aggressive, but not fast. And now he went through this battle through his junior year of playing, doing the, being consistent, you know, doing what he needed to do practice-wise, showing up, playing well and making good plays, you know, watching him play. Is one of those situations where you watch him play and it's like, that's a small player. Oh, he's doing the right things. So he's making those tackles. He's in the right place at the right time. But then like, if he's splitting time with somebody else, that player looks like the ideal of what you want. But then you see that player not make the plays or you see them make the same type of on par play. But, you know, so maybe they're playing and they're eating the same exact stats, same right position, but that guy's bigger and faster. But then you find out on the back end, that guy doesn't always go to practice. That guy has an attitude when he's at practice. And my nephew, I guess, apparently from what my sister told me, called out the coach. My nephew played through the started the entire playoffs on both sides of the ball and played well. And now they won a championship. And because he was getting sad about this, like, I'm doing everything I need to do. And, you know, he's all worried about recruiting. He, I'm trying to bring him back to reality of how this whole thing works. Like, even when you came here and talked, he was supposed to come, but he had work. <coughs> I went and, like, gave him and my sister a whole mini spiel about what you talked about and trying to enlighten him about there's football beyond D1, first of all, because D1, you can have all the stats in the world, but if you're not six foot two, 190 pounds, you're not going to D1 football. Yep. You don't run five, four, five. <laughs> and so, um, you know, trying to enlighten him of this and, you know, like, all right. And hearing you say this is like, 
fall is when it counts. Your senior year, you got you have November until August when camp starts to improve your athletic profile, your game IQ, all of that. Because if you have a really good senior season, most college football players, at least the way I'm understanding this, will get recruited after their senior year. You might right. get looked if you go to camps and stuff. Your yep. junior year. You might get looked at if you have some really good stats. But you're not going to get any offers unless you're like one of those blue chip type of athletes. And most people are not blue chip athletes. You have a really good senior year. That's when most people shine. It's just the whole way the game flows of maturity. For our level, absolutely right. I mean, it's, it is, it is going to take guys. And a lot of times, you know, the D- division two philosophy is we're not going to spend a whole lot of time with guys super early because if they end up getting a division one opportunity, then we recruited them like crazy for nine, eight, nine, ten 10 weeks. And then a D one comes in and says, Hey, we'll take you. And they forget about the D twos. And then they go to that <laughs> so, D one school and don't play. <laughs> We want to make sure that guys are serious about the level, right? They're coming in, they're going to outbid us, right? And we're going to lose that kid. And again, we just don't have the resources to waste on a kid that we're not sure is going to end up at our level. But back to what you said, and you're you're right. And this is a frustrating part, you know, for me as a an AU basketball coach. You know, we we have these kids who have the have the basketball IQ and they have great skill. And they are great teammates and students of the game and they're grinders and they work, but they're a couple inches too short or they don't have that natural athleticism or they don't have a 30 inch vertical. Those are the kids that are tough. And those are the ones you want to help, right? Because they do everything right. And they just didn't hit the genetic lottery like some guys did. (laughs) And some guys just get that opportunity because of the natural gifts that they have. So it is frustrating and it's always been that way. And it's always going to be that way. Um, You just have to look a little harder for that opportunity and somebody that's going to appreciate what it is that you do and not get caught up in what I call the tail of the tape, right? Everybody wants to tail the tape, how tall, how fast, how long are their arms, right? All of those things. How about somebody that just knows how to play the game? Right. This guy might run a four five forty, but how come this guy that runs the four seven is always beating you to the ball carrier? Right. Because they <laughs> know the game. So, yeah, it, those are specific opportunities that, that definitely um, they add a little bit of time and frustration to the recruiting process. Yeah. So uh, kind of getting to my last question is what are the specific steps needed to get that ongoing you know we've talked about 48h we've talked about unofficial visits uh we've we haven't really talked about eligibility um what are the things that if we have you know somebody who is a junior right now and they want to begin this process what does what do those steps take from you know doing their making sure that they talk to their guidance counselor about their classes or signing up for eligibility center reaching out to college coaches doing these visits like what does that flow look like how do they get started what is that process yeah. So on the academic side, um, you, you know, I definitely and, and from and from the admissibility side. Right. So at this point, we've got to talk about eligibility and admissibility kind of together. So from from admissibility, understand, guys, that that your college admissions is going to be based upon your cumulative GPA from grades 9, 10 and 11. So you can't be in the in the boat of, well, I coasted in 9, 10, and 11, but I'm really going to turn it up my senior year. It's too late at that point because your college acceptance, your college scholarship, whether maybe it's discounting or your grant eligibility at a D3, it's all going to be shut off at the end of grade 11. So 
We have to do that, right? And then also in grade 11, we want to, to do uh, eligibility center. We want to create our profile on the eligibility center. The easiest way to find it is just go onto a search engine and put in NCAA eligibility center. The nice thing about EC is if you don't know if you're going to be a scholarship kid, you can create a profile without having to pay the fee. Okay. Mm -hmm. If you are going to be a division one or a division two kid, you have to do that level of eligibility center for initial eligibility certification. And that costs money. So you're looking at like 85 or 90 bucks or something for that, but you can go on there and create a free profile because if you end up at a division three, you don't have to pay for initial eligibility certification. So I would advise that students go on and create the pre the free profile and then if you get offers from division ones and division two, you go back in with your pin and then you complete the process with your guidance counselor because there are waivers as well, just like there's application waivers for, for college admission, there's, there's waivers for eligibility center if you qualify, okay? And then it is your guidance counselor's responsibility to send your transcript to the eligibility center just as it is their responsibility to send it to a college for admission. Okay, that makes okay. sense. Okay. So their admissibility and eligibility are kind of tied together in that regard. Even though they're two different things, the timeline of it is kind of is kind of tied together. Okay. Mm. Um, and then it really depends on the sport, you know, for the other things yeah, um, that we're talking about. But if we're talking, if I, if I get a bunch of, of, <coughs> of juniors and sophomores on here, utilize your spring and utilize your summers to take some unofficial visits, right? Even sophomores, because every university, and, and here's the other thing that people make this mistake a lot too, Don, is they don't utilize admissions events for student athletes. Well, I'm just going there to, to run this or play this. That doesn't matter. You're still a student. So you have to utilize the events that are scheduled in the admissions office as part of the mm. recruiting process. So that's one of the things that I tell our coaches and I tell prospective student athletes all that. We're going to have open houses in the fall. We are going to have open houses in the spring. We're going to have open houses in the summer. We're going to have exercise science day in November, we're going to have honors day, whatever it is, right? So lean on the admissions events to help you identify those schools when, when we are trying to pare that down as to even where we're going to play. Mm. That is something that I hope you all got. We had a couple kids here who did an overnight at Duquesne and it was, I, I think it was an admissions thing. I'm not sure the seniors. And, you know, they're doing these unofficial visits. And yeah. I think it goes back to that point you made earlier, like you have to live here and you're going to go to school here. So, yeah, you're visiting because you care about the team, but you also have to care about everything else. The team could be great, but if you don't like the school, well, yeah. And, you know, that all that matters. If you don't like the team, well, then you probably won't like the school, but right. you might like the school, but you want to play the sport. So make sure you definitely check out if there's a school interested in you or if you met a college coach, you know, don't just only communicate with the college coach, communicate yep. with the admissions office themselves. They have to make sure you get in in the first place. No question. And 
it, it is it is a holistic process, right? We are not picking a school just because of the team. The NCAA says they can only have you 20 hours a week. That's the only time you're with your team. If that's the only time you're happy, you will not stay there. I promise. So there is a lot more hours in the week where you have to love where you are. So that is only accomplished through holistic college visits, not just athletic visits. So, you know, they do, they get their visits rising through, they do their, you know, eligibility. What's next? What else do they need to be able to get in? What do they need to get into college and then be able to actually beat them with the team? Yep. So college application, and, and this is something that's very, very different based on the type of schools, you know, that you are going to look at, but typically they will open the application process in the late mid to late summer going into the senior year. At Slippery Rock, we typically open like late June. We don't always start making admission decisions, but nonetheless, the application is open. So you, you really have to do your research and ask the other reason why to do the admissions events on knowing the application process at that particular institution because at Slippy Rock it is as simple as going to our webpage, filling out the application and have your high school transcripts sent from your counselor that's it right mm-hmm. so other schools are going to be on the what we call the common app we are not some schools are some schools are going to require essays we don't some schools are going to require letters of recommendation we don't so there is varying processes for college admissions and they vary significantly so that's very important for students to understand when does this start what are my deadlines right we are rolling admission there is no app deadline but there's a scholarship deadline in there that you need to know about there's an honors college deadline in there that you need to know about whereas other schools will do things like early decision early admission application deadline of january 1 you know, your, your Carnegie Mellons and your Case Western Reserves. I, I had students that were elite academic students. If they miss the January 1 application deadline, it's over, right? They will not take you. It doesn't matter. So you have to familiarize yourself with these different deadlines and processes for admissions and application. And that can only happen by, by doing these admissions events in the sophomore and the junior year. Yeah. So they go to the admissions events, they get these applications in that preferably the fall of their senior year. I know when I applied, yeah. I think I had yeah. all my applications in by December. Yeah, like Thanksgiving is what we typically advise. Yeah, I think I had most of my offers. I had my first offer was from Robert Morris. I had that before Thanksgiving. Yeah. And I think Slipbrook offered me sometime before the holidays started. And I think after I was like, probably I made my decision February. I went to the program they had at Sipcock. I don't, did I accept the offer? I know I was accepted. I don't know if I had accepted it when I came up for opportunity Knox. doesn't matter. Long time ago. What's the next step? So now student athlete has applied to these colleges. They applied to Pitt. They applied to Slippery Rock, right? They applied to Virginia Tech. They applied to Dartmouth College. They applied to, um, I don't know, Ohio Wesleyan. And Robert Morris, you know, somebody slid an application into there to the uh, University of Texas. You know, I think I said Super Rock as well. What happens next? Now it's after Christmas. It's the new year. They did all of their applications on time before Christmas. What happens next? Well, that's going to be dependent upon if they did what they were supposed to do on October 1st. 
Okay. October one is an essential day because that is the day that the financial aid form opens. Okay. So on October 1st of the senior year, mark it on the calendar. I'm going to complete my FAFSA, my free application for federal student aid. Because that is going to dictate a lot of the next steps. So I just met with a group of students, a group of seniors in this class, and they didn't have their FAFSAs done. We are going to send out financial aid packages in 11 days, right? They're not going to get one. So you want to be early with your financial aid packaging because it gives you an idea. It gives you a baseline. The first one is not always the last one, but it's going to let you know where you stand with a lot of these institutions. Now, we are earlier than most. Um, fortunately for us, we can get them turned around very quickly. If you complete your FAFSA on October 1st, we can typically have it by October 10, 11, 12, and then we can get you packaged by the middle, the middle of, of November by Thanksgiving. So getting an early financial aid package is essential, but that only happens if you get that thing completed on October 1st. Now, remember, we are two years removed. So we are recruiting fall 22 students right now. Their FAFSA information is based on the 2020 tax year, not 21. So we don't have to wait for that anymore, right? It's the 2020 tax year, which is already completed. And they eliminated a step on FAFSA. You don't have to manually enter the tax information anymore. You can link to your tax return because that's a federal tax return, just like the FAFSA is federally uh, operated. And they can link to it and pull that tax information and get it much quicker than in the past. So that's something that if anybody who is advising students, stress them to do that FAFSA early in the process on October 1, and that's going to allow them to be in a much better position when the holidays roll around in terms of where they sit from an admission and a financial aid standpoint with these colleges and universities. Okay. So, boom, did their FAFSA, got their letter, got their applications in, they get accepted into these schools. It's springtime, senior year. What do they have to do next? Okay. The events that we talked about, right? Those, mm -hmm. those conversion events, those yield events. That, and that's where they're going to want. Because unless there's a clear-cut favorite, right? They already established, hey, this is my number one. I know this. If I get accepted here, this is where I'm going. Um, if you, and if you're going to be a student athlete, if you have that opportunity, if you have that offer, right? Sometimes it's just a roster spot. Right? It, doesn't, it doesn't always have to be you know, scholarship tied to it. If you have that roster spot and that opportunity to go there and play. Uh, but if not, you have to go to these yielding events. So all colleges and universities are going to have um, admitted students days or a, an additional spring open house after, after the holidays or faculty information sessions or major specific days where you can come and drill down a little bit deeper, right? A, a college visit a lot of times is very general in nature. <coughs> Open houses are a little bit more specific, but you make contact with somebody from an academic department and not, not saying that, you know, a lot of students are gonna change their major, right? We know that seven out of 10 students change their major, but to have that, that idea of the way the overall academic process works at that college or university. Am I always taught by professors or, or are grad students teaching my classes? What is the average class size? Um, do I have a success coach to help me? How many career coaches are gonna work with me in the career office? Those are the types of things where you're gonna develop that criteria when you're choosing between three, four, five institutions. If you, if you have the opportunity to play at all those institutions and 
all things are being equal, then you got to look for something to separate them. And if it's not necessarily financial in nature, you got to look for these types of things and ask these types of questions, because I'm sure that the, our exercise science program had something to do with you choosing Slippery Rock. Oh, yeah. Right? And, that's in the country. It, exactly. And when you learn about that, that's what I'm talking about. So you have to look for those things that are important to you. You made you made your decision largely because of the reputation of an academic program and what you knew about that academic program for other students right in that for finances don't hurt but for other students it may be something different right so there's not one criteria that you have to zero in on it's what's going to be important for that student and how can you get those answers mm. awesome and so you make your decision you get your roster spot how do you not fumble the bag your finishing your senior year. Right. Well, the, the one thing that that you have to do to help yourself with the universities, right? Everybody has some type of a say yes, right? Commit to us from a student standpoint. Now, I'm not talking about signing national letters of intent or anything like that on the athletic side. You, you have to submit an enrollment deposit and essentially commit to the university because what that does at every university is going to trigger two things, housing, and orientation. So you're going to want to say yes to the, the, the admissions office as well as the athletic opportunity. So you're going to want to do that. And then you're going to want to finish strong academically, not necessarily because it would cost you an opportunity, but because it is going to help you be successful when you get there. Some of the things that you are doing don't always have immediate results, right? Those are that's one of those tomorrow things where, man, I'm glad I took this class my senior year because it's really helped me in my second, third semester of college. So don't shut it down, right? Continue yeah. to work hard, run, run through the tape, man, sprint through the tape. Don't take your foot off the accelerator when you get that done. That's not going to affect you immediately, but down the road, you'll notice the difference. Oh, yeah. Okay. So I think that brings us to the end of the road. Last thing, what is this national letter? Like what is signing your letter of intent for like a college yep. athlete? I've been to a couple and I've signed my, my last kid with Indiana Tech. I signed hers, but I still don't actually yep. know what it is. I've been to like three yeah. and I still don't know. So, so for instance, NCAA Division One, Division Two uh, students who are receiving uh, athletic scholarship, athletic grant and aid, they must sign a binding national letter of intent. So it is the school's commitment to you, and it is your commitment to the school. You cannot break a letter of intent without a penalty, unless there is a coaching change, right? And you can be released from your NLI free of penalty. But if you sign with somebody, the only way to break that, if you decide to break that and not go compete for that school, you would have to sit out for an entire year if you broke an NLI. So the NLI is the only thing that's binding. The verbal commitment, that's not binding. You can get out of verbal commitments. You can change your mind. That happens a lot, right, for students, especially the younger ones who verbally commit at an early age. But the once you sign the NLI, and, and, and the, signing, the signing day is coming up here in, uh, in November, um, once you sign that NLI and send it back, to, to the compliance office at that university, that is binding. Not, okay. That does not happen at the Division Three level because there is no athletic grant and aid. That's another advantage of Division Three. Those are just verbal commitments and and uh, and signings. Okay, cool. That was that, – that, that makes sense. I don't know why I didn't know that. Um, 
Thank you. So for those of you who will be getting scholarship money, that is a thing that you'll do. But if you are walking on and you just have a roster, either have a roster spot or you're planning to be a walk on, you don't sign an NLI. Correct. Yep. Correct. Um, now, a lot of times schools, schools will give students a small amount of money to sign them if they want to take them off, right? If they want to bind them um, or they, what the, what the PSAC used to do was they used to call it just like a PSAC letter or a conference letter that for the, for the walk-ons that were preferred walk-ons that had a guaranteed roster spot, but no scholarship tie, tied to it. They created a different letter in the Pennsylvania state athletic conference specifically for those students. So your, that athletic conference may do something like that. Okay. So like, would you still go to your signing day and sign that? Yeah, it like it a would be like a commitment be, letter. Be yeah. a part of that process? Correct. Yep. Okay. Yep. It's more of a commitment letter. Gotcha. And like your high school still would bring you to their signing day and you still do that. Correct. Oh, yep. Okay. Informative. All right. Um, I think that's all of the questions I had. Oh, you did have this lingering thing about uh maybe we could talk about that offline about yeah we can talk about that offline about the d3 thing um thank you how can people get in touch and learn more about you learn more about slippery rock um you know you actually so for those listening mark does you know he's the admissions one of the admissions counselors at slippery rock but he also does a lot of recruiting with basketball at slippery rock and he's also a basketball guy himself so when he's knowledgeable about college admissions but also how that handles with athletics especially in basketball People have more questions and want to learn more about you, Slippery Rock. How can they reach out to you? Absolutely. Anytime. Um, I'm happy to have these conversations with with student athletes. You know, a lot of the things that I do in my hometown, which is Youngstown, Ohio, uh, working with 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 college level athletes for multiple sports and, and helping them through this process, because a lot of people just they just don't know. Right. This is not something that is common knowledge among among individuals. So please reach out to me at any time. Uh, my email address is just first name dot last name, which is Mark dot Metzka, which is M-A-R-K dot M-E-T-Z-K-A. And it'll be in the show notes. Say it again. I'm sorry. And then I'll be in the show notes as well. Yeah. Yeah. Great. You can include anything. Um, and my direct dial at Slippery Rock as well. That is, that is absolutely okay to share with anybody. 724-738-4302 will ring you directly in my office. So anybody that, if anybody's dealing with Donald here and you're tuning into his podcast, I'll be happy to help you. Awesome. Thank you so much. This was so informative. This is going to be a two episode podcast. I've been like taking notes like, oh yeah, we're going to make this two episodes. So this, um, thank you very much for those listening. Make sure you share this with a family who will be, you know, exploring this recruiting process here right now or in the near future. This explains so much of what they need to know getting through that. Um, and it marks a valuable resource. So make sure you share this episode. And of course, make sure you like and subscribe to the podcast. Um, we have a lot of cool things. You know, next next year, we'll be doing another one of our recruiting seminars. Uh, hopefully, Mark will come back for that. And I think that's the thing that I want to keep as an annual, you know, event of, you know, being able to introduce our athletes to college coaches, to admissions counselors like Mark and helping them understand this process. Um, in the meantime, also go on our website, uh, or check out the link in the show notes. Coach Kyla dropped a new ebook uh, about sports mindfulness and being able to get your head in the right mindset for competition. So that's a new ebook we just released here in November. So make sure you check that out. And uh, you know, make sure you go on the website if you want to learn more about what we do at Global Human Performance. Um, 
www.ghperformance.com. Learn more about what we do. Thank you, Mark, uh, very much once again for this. Uh, Do you have any last words? I appreciate the opportunity. I really do. Anytime I get a chance to do this and and, and represent Slippy Rock and represent uh, your your certainly your organization and Slippy Rock alums, I'm, I'm more than happy. So thanks so much for the time and getting me back out here. Yes, go Rock. Um, we'll see you on the next episode of Training Well Done. Holla. <laughs>